Welcome to Here's the Scoop, a podcast that takes a bite-sized look at the evolution of food and trends from a uniquely Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Pei Chen. Like many, I'm a lover of food and food information. I've been a food writer and culinary content contributor on radio and television for over 10 years. I'm not only interested in what we eat, I want to know the people behind our food and their stories. In this series, each episode will take on an iconic food, like the banana split, or a noteworthy trend, like the pairing of salt and pepper. We'll dig up the backstory, then speak to experts and connoisseurs to track how it has evolved and get some predictions of what's to come. And you better believe, we'll also have a little sprinkle of Canadiana in it. Now, let's dig in. This episode is all about what makes a great burger. We'll find out how pea meal bacon got its name and its connection to Canada. Then we'll chat with one of the founders of Canada's famous Le Burger Week competition to ask about what makes the best Canadian burger. But first, I want to start with the most Canadian burger I can think of, the Great Canadian Banquet Burger. It's on the menu at Franz, an Ontario diner chain that first opened in 1940. It was owned by Francis Deck, who also went by Fran. The first location was a 10-stool diner at Young and St. Clair. They now have several locations in Toronto's downtown core and in other Ontario cities. It's a classic spot, known in the city for being one of the best 24-hour diners. I went to school at Ryerson, which was downtown Toronto, and there was a Franz nearby. And it was always a place we could go to get a big meal for a small price. And sometimes it meant that breakfast was dinner because maybe you'd been up all night. And that was just fine at Franz. Anyway, to this day, the Great Canadian Banquet Burger is one of Franz's best sellers. It's topped with cheddar cheese and pea meal bacon. But to understand how it came to be, we have to start with the history of the original Banquet Burger. Before it was named the Banquet Burger, it was actually named the Forest Hill Burger. That's Robert Kim, the marketing manager of Franz. His dad bought the chain in 1998, but he's still well-versed in the history from the Francis Deck era. Franz Diner in the 1940s um, had a variety of burgers. They had the hamburger, they had the uh, cheeseburger, Francis Deck added uh, the bacon burger to the menu, but then he decided to combine the bacon and cheese into what was known as the Forest Hill Burger. And allegedly it was named after uh, Toronto's affluent neighborhood uh, coming out of the St. Clair and Young location. He says it didn't get coined the Banquet Burger until around 1945. That's when some of the Franz locations started having harvest table dining in a banquet room. And they carried that on for about eight years. I, I was told that they did copyright the name, um, but it was such a hard uh, name to enforce because um, when the burger took off, a lot of other restaurant owners decided to copy it and name it the Banquet Burger um, using hyphens and adding a noun in front of Banquet Burger. Now, Robert's dad, June Kim, bought the chain in 1998, and he was the one who added the Great Canadian Banquet Burger to the menu with cheddar cheese and pea meal bacon. 
I think it had a lot to do with ensuring that the menu had some Canadian flair and flavor um, and having a leaner cut of pork uh, sort of appealed to uh, a different segment of modernizing the burger menu. Often we find that people who are want that bacon flavor or extra protein content will want a leaner cut. And uh, so the P-mill um, is often uh, requested. And a lot of the times our menus um, come from uh, inspiration from our own customers who request substitutions. And we take note of those substitutions, especially if they are, are popular. Um, and then we'll sort of integrate it into the menu over time. And Franz is notorious for us uh, having substitution options. And if you've ever worked in the in a kitchen, having substitutions can drive <laughs> drive line cooks real mad, especially when it's really busy. But we take note. Um, it's general a sense of like what's popular, especially during rushes. So this was actually June just listening to the customers. But how do people's palates change? How do burger toppings come in and out of fashion? I had a chance to sit down with Michael Olson, a chef, professor at the Niagara College Canadian Food and Wine Institute, and author of Living High Off the Hog. What makes a good burger? A, a great burger doesn't have any one element that's overwhelming. If, if I go to a, a place and, and somebody tries to make me the burger of a lifetime and they go to all this trouble of having this, you know, wood-fired, brioche buns, freshly ground, organic, grass-fed beef and, and all these things, it, it sort of overwhelms the rest of the burger. So I've recently had a burger and I, I really thought about it. And the burger that I had just used a really run-of-the-mill, plain and simple supermarket white bun. It was one of those frozen patties that you can get from a butcher. Um, it was iceberg lettuce, and it was a simple sauce um, made up of just kind of, like, if, if you tried to make homemade Big Mac sauce with some mayonnaise, some ketchup, mustard, and some relish, that, that's all it was. And honestly, Pete, it was as good as a burger gets. It was perfect. So in your mind, when you hear the term banquet burger, what do you think of? For me, this goes into the all-dressed category because I, I always thought of banquet as a, a really all-out fancy meal. You know, it, it was all about celebration. So whenever I read the term banquet burger, I thought, okay, this has got everything on there and, and you're getting the all-dressed burger. You know, the pickles, lettuce, tomatoes, uh, bacon, cheese. So it was, it was it was the celebration burger. That's what I always thought of the banquet burger as being. It, was, it sounds like it's, it's like the burger to the max. It's the ultimate version of a burger. Very much so. Well, <laughs> Franz, um, they're great Canadian banquet burgers. So they put cheddar cheese uh, and they put pea meal bacon on top. And it's one of their best sellers. Do you have opinions on what would make this combination really special? This I, I find very interesting because, you know, pea meal is, is actually surprisingly only ubiquitous in Toronto. I think that it's it's one of the it's one of the interesting Canadian stories because it, it does have a history 
that that starts in Toronto, but it also even to this day remains in Toronto. We 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 have friends that uh, have lived in Vancouver and Calgary, and they said they still have a hard time finding female bacon even within Canada. So is it a very Ontario thing then? Would it have been known as like back bacon in other places and and not had the pea um, like the, the pea part to it or? Well, you know, it, it is a hundred percent Toronto, mm-hmm. and you, you've heard the term Hogtown. Yeah, uh, T- Toronto actually used to have a huge um, pork processing industry right downtown, not far from St. Lawrence Market. Pro- probably somewhere in between St. Lawrence Market area and where the Don River comes down, you know, by the DVP. So the the original um, uh, sort of idea of Hogtown was from this you know, big industry and at the time there were you know very um, solid connections between Canada and Britain and they would send cheddar cheese they would send you know furs and, and, and grains and a lot of mustard but one of the big exports was preserved pork and when you preserve pork you know everybody's gotten into charcuterie the last 10 20 years you know that you can preserve things um, based on salting or smoking or fermenting. And in the case of pea meal, in order for it to make the long journey from Canada to, to Britain, it, this was pickled, sort of in a way that you would make corned beef, where it would be put into a brine mm-hmm. with some spices. And the, 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 the brine aspect and the acidity would preserve the meat so it wouldn't spoil. And then in order to prepare it for the journey, of course, they didn't have backpacks or, 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 you know, Ziploc bags, that sort of thing. So they would roll the pork loin in ground up dried peas. And that's where the name pea meal came from. Um, later on, like any, anything that you and I have ever eaten was probably made with cornmeal, not pea meal. So even though we call it pea meal bacon, it's actually cornmeal bacon nowadays. Well, we can't change the name. That'd be too confusing. No, that would not work. There would be, there would be, uh, yeah, there would be a lot of answers, uh, a lot of questions to be answered. It'd be too confusing. But, but you know, one of the other things is that when when you when you normally use the term bacon, there's a smoky element in there. So, like strips of bacon, or what, what Americans refer to as. Canadian bacon is actually the same muscle. It's the loin muscle that runs along the top of the back, and but that would be salted to cure and then smoked. So pea meal is the version of bacon, but it's never smoked, only sweet pickled. Okay, so is um, pea meal bacon the same as back bacon when it, when people refer to it, or is it two different things? If, if you say back bacon, mm-hmm. I automatically think it's going to be smoked. So, um, pea meal on its own, I mean, it, it could be used as an ingredient in the case of a burger topping, but it can also be a sandwich unto itself. And this is the sort of thing that I never really knew until I moved to Toronto. And, and it's almost got that ham texture and color and juiciness, but it's always missing that smoky element. Because I remember, well, I grew up in Halifax, Halifax and, right? yeah. um, you know, 
I don't think my parents were super familiar with bacon, but we we had it. And I remember my uncle used to, um, he liked back bacon and he would serve that to us. And I don't remember, but I remember hearing him um, joke once that uh, my brother and I, of course, would like the more expensive bacon um, because we would go to his house and that was the bacon we wanted at his house. Well, and I'm sure that if your uncle was taking you and your brother up for lunch and you knew that he was paying for lunch, you would have ordered, you know, the banquet burger. <laughs> if only I knew, if only that existed in Nova Scotia in the 80s, I probably would have loved the banquet burger. I almost think of it as some sort of like meat lover's burger, right? Because you've got yeah. the beef patty and then you're like, well, you love meat. We're going to add some pork on top of that and some cheese and some extra things. <laughs> We're putting everything in there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, is there anything that you have seen on a burger or on a menu for a burger that you thought, nah, this doesn't belong? Hey, I've seen that lots of times. <laughs> okay, so then what are some things that you think don't really belong on a burger? Well, I, I think that there's gilding the lily. And, you know, unless you're living um, by the seaside, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't waste uh, a lobster tail by putting lobster on top of a burger. Um, I also, you know, would think twice about putting really fancy cheeses because if, if you do believe in, in the sort of simplicity and that sort of comic book version of a burger, it probably wasn't made with, you know, exquisite uh, cave-aged Gruyere. It was probably made with a, I don't know, something like a processed slice or a very simple orange cheddar slice, um, I, I would actually lean towards that, in fact. And, and some cheeses, when you melt them, like, like a really great cheddar, when you melt it, it actually gets greasy because some of the butter fat in there breaks out, and, and it's it's great on its own, but it's not a great melting cheese. So th- this is where these processed slices, as much as you may not want to, you know, buy them regularly, they do make a wonderful topping for a burger. Well, because I will never buy that. I can't even tell you the last time I ever even put that into a grocery cart of mine. But the only time I ever wanted... I don't even know. I'm like, is it with the canned food? It lasts forever. Um, (laughs) But that on a burger and that in a grilled cheese sandwich. Those are the two times, right? Like the two times that with just plain white bread and butter. I'm like, that's that's what that (laughs) that cheese, you know, is great for is those two things when you want it to be like melty and yeah, it's uh, it's I know it can be highly controversial now because um, we've got artisan everything, right? So it's taking something that simple and feeling the need to to dress it up a lot more. Yeah. And you know, one, of the, one of the other things that I've seen is, um, I think that if you, if you asked a, a, a chef to make you a burger 20 years ago, they, they would have taken good quality fresh ground meat, they would add some flavorings to it, but then they would bind it together with some whole egg and some breadcrumbs, which in a kitchen is called a panada. And, and the, the idea of that is it's a binder and, and not to extend the volume of meats with breadcrumbs, but what it does is it soaks up juices that would otherwise cook out of the meat. But, you know, when, when you had good quality burger joints make a, a, a prominent role in Toronto, they tended to take on more of an American style, which was 
straight ahead ground beef, which has nothing more than salt and pepper, and then typically cooked on a griddle. And this is where you see these, you've had smash burgers and things like that, and they they develop the, the crust on the burger. And, and there's this more of, I think, almost more of a steak flavor. Mm-hmm. But I, I find there's two schools of thought. There's either the, the kind of meatball-style burger, which is held together with breadcrumbs and egg, or there's just the straight-ahead ground beef with nothing more than salt and pepper on it. I think that smash burger that you're referring to is definitely making a bit of making a comeback in terms of yeah. uh, people realizing that you just want um, you know plain supermarket white bun and that just like you said ground beef and uh, seasoned really simply and there's places that are open that are just exclusively smash burgers it seems. Yeah. Um, so I I love um, you know when when burgers are cooked on a on a griddle on a flat top. They do develop that caramelized sear, um, but my wife prefers burgers that are grilled over charcoal. So you know, even with a within a family, you're going to have different uh, tastes and, and little nuances from you know just the way it's cooked, the way it's seasoned, all these different things. Everyone can agree that a burger is delicious, but then they'll have their preferences in terms of how they want it cooked and and what they want on top of it. Variations like you know putting in some delicious spicy kimchi or some, you know, like uh, onion bhaji, like almost like pakoras made from, um, if, if you were to make onion rings with um, chickpea flour and cumin, and, and that would be so delicious. But th- those, there's that whole world of diverge, divergent burgers. But when it comes down to the, the prototype sort of burger 1.0, I, th- I think of that really simple one that I described in here. Yeah, no, it, it, and I think you're you're absolutely right. Because I think it's what we know from growing up. Because when we grew up, we didn't have fancy burgers. Gr- growing up in the West, I, I spent every moment that I wasn't in school. I was playing hockey from you know age four until nineteen, and I grew up traveling around playing hockey in all these little towns and. The burger was, whenever you didn't eat at home, you were at a hockey rink, and the only thing you would ever eat there was a burger with fried onions. <laughs> 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 and of course, I used to judge the um, sophistication of each small town in Saskatchewan by how good their fried onions were that went on their burgers. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, you have to, like, compare. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, oh, Michael, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time. So let's look at burger trends across Canada. I figured the best person to ask was... Naeem Adam. I'm the co-founder and operator of La Burger Week, which is a festival that's been going on for almost 10 years now across Canada. And... Uh, at the core, we're probably the biggest burger lovers out there. La Burger Week has been running every September for nearly a decade and has more than 500 restaurants across the country taking part. Each location has to offer a specialty burger for the festival on their menu. Then people taste as many as they can and vote for their favorites. Naeem says it's hard to track exactly how many people go out to try the burgers, but they get hundreds of thousands of Canadians voting for their favorites each year. A lot of people think 
um, you know, differently and they, they like different things. And that's cool. And that's what's special about Burger Week because the burger is unique for that week only. Um, it's never been on the menu before. And you're starting to see some crazy stuff. Like for a few years, there was this trend um, where people were putting like ramen buns together. Then after that, we started to see uh, people just like mashing two completely different dishes into one and calling it a burger. Uh, then you had the the deconstructed burger, and we had a donut burger that was going crazy out in Manitoba for a little while, where it was just two donut buns. And uh, it, 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 there's just so much that I think where you're going to get people's attention is on that creativity point. And the more you can be creative, uh, the more you're going to get their attention, and and the more uh, people are going to be engaged. But despite the popularity of the creative burgers. Naeem is more of a purist, kind of like Michael. The festival itself started when he and his friend got into a debate about the best burger in Montreal. So it all started with my partner, Thierry, and I. Uh, we had just met. It was for the first time on a totally different project-related thing. And um, after meeting and barely talking during that meeting, we went to to have a burger with some other people and across the street, and we started talking about burgers. And at that point, I, I was I was known um, in the blogosphere, I guess, uh, and we're talking like 10 years ago, um, as, as a burger guy. And so I started making some big comments about burgers, and I guess he had an opinion. And he, he's a lawyer too, so he he had this debate game pretty strong, and uh, it just kind of escalated from there. And uh, I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna ask all my Facebook fans <laughs> who's right, me or you, right now. And we did that, and it started to just kind of grow into this thing. Uh, with comments and people and sharing of photos of the best burgers. And we just said, oh, we got to wrap this up and do something cool with it. And uh, the next thing you know, in Montreal, we had about 30 restaurants competing for the best burger in that city. And the burger that I was saying was the best did indeed win that uh, burger week uh, that year. Ever since then, he's had a little bit more respect for my choice in burgers. (laughs) So what does Naeem think is the best burger? I go through phases and and, and the type of ingredients that go inside kind of correspond to the phase I'm in. Uh, For the most part, believe it or not, I'm vegetarian. Uh, So I I don't eat meat um, regularly at all. You know, for me, it was it was still novel. It's still like a treat. And it's really the sum of its parts, you know, the the bun itself needs to be uh, a nice soft potato bun where it's like kind of like a thin layer of crisp on the outside. But if you open it up, the steam and it's soft and white and fluffy, um, that's super important. Uh, it needs to have good layers of, of, of sauce, like whatever it is, you know, maybe with a little bit of a kick. Uh, the meat uh, or the patty, the vegetarian patty, whatever. I'm usually all for the beef, though. Uh, it needs to be um, probably medium, juicy, hot. I hate getting a cold burger. You know, it needs to be like scorching. And uh, get that melted cheese on there. Uh, if it's just a basic cheddar or you can kind of go crazy too, aged for sure. Um, then the pickles, lettuce. And what I always love in my burger is some good avocado. <laughs> Getting a piece of avocado in my in my burger has been key lately. But all that to say, 
I'm a purist when it comes to my burgers. Um, I like them simple. I like them with cheese, but I'm like them properly done. So uh, that's uh, that's my take. Yeah, but what about the bacon? Yeah, I mean, bacon like it's it's hard for anybody not to 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 add onto their burger, you know. But I just, for me, I I rather without. Um, it's not something that uh, I, I ever connected with, let's say. But let me tell you, my partner Siri, he's the opposite. Um, because and this is what makes us unique, right? It goes back to our story from before. He's the complete opposite. He will eat the tallest, nastiest burger topped with like all kinds of stuff. And and you won't even talk. He's gone. He's on some other planet. And he's just chowing through that thing. And and he eats fast, too. And so uh, he's the kind of guy who's going to be like, oh, you could put two patties? Um, I'll take all those ingredients. And uh, how much is it for extra, extra bacon? And he'll stack all that in there and just go, go for it. He's got this crazy hand bun technique, too, to, to mash it into his mouth. He's, he's wild. All right. So the ultimate question, what would he consider to be the great Canadian burger? The great Canadian burger to me, when you say that, it sounds like the great local burger. And more than ever now, again, with everything that's been happening to the industry, local is so important. And so sourcing all your food locally, and that comes from like the buns to the cheese to the meat and all the little garden vegetables you throw in there, um, having it all come from our terroir and, and having it all be Canadian uh, is the ultimate Canadian burger. That's what that is today. Um, you know, there's, there's no reason why anything should be not local in that burger. Looking ahead, given everything that's going on with the pandemic, I wondered if this might be the first year since its inception that Le Burger Week would not run. But I was wrong. And that doesn't happen often. Throughout the last few months, we've had um, maybe like 50 or so restaurants reach out to us and say, like, please do your festival again in September. And, and that was like, I think, a very pivotal moment for me in a way because we thought we were we would kind of overstep uh, a little bit if we were to say hey we want to do this festival again who wants to participate because they have like much bigger issues and things to deal with but the fact that they wanted to participate and 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 know what's up uh was really cool and when we start to dig a little bit further we start to see that they wanted something that they could you know, have fun with, like get people to, to do it on for takeout or delivery or come in and dine if, if the opportunity is there. And so they wanted to jump on this uh, opportunity. And, you know, I, I'm not sure how many other types of food festivals or restaurant festivals, you know, uh, resonate with um, uh, merchants and restaurant owners like that. And, and I think that's what gave us a little extra kick um, back in March, April to say, hey, uh, let's get this going. Let's do it again this uh, September. Uh, let's let's get a Burger Week 2020. 
So I think what we wanted to do the most was create this community um, event that uh, helped these businesses kind of uh, gain a footing. And a lot of these uh, people and the people who work there have struggled in the last couple of months with, with something that they care so deeply about. Like if you know a restaurant owner, the restaurant is their baby. It's the reason why they do it. If they did it for money, they wouldn't be there. They're doing it for a passion. They're doing it to share something. And then that was taken away from them and it's hard. So uh, we're replacing the uh, voting button for a donate button. And uh, this year we're hoping to get people to donate to the to the festival uh, in association with a charity. And we're going to redistribute those funds back to uh, the community that partakes with us. Okay, I've been craving a burger this entire time. And I can go both ways. I love a plain burger seasoned with salt and pepper, a bit of crisp lettuce, a slice of cold tomato, and a dab of mayo. Um, But also, I have to admit, sometimes I like the burgers that have all the things on them. Some fancy mustard, a little bit of smoky bacon, some brie cheese. Mmm, sounds pretty good. I don't think there is a wrong way to have a burger as long as it's the burger that makes you happy. Thank you for listening to Here's the Scoop. I'm Pei Chen. The podcast is produced and edited by Amanda Capito. The sound designer and composer is Olivia Pascarelli. Its executive producers are Jessica Robinson and Kieran Rana, with executive direction by Monica Bielabreski. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to Here's the Scoop on your favorite podcast player and let us know what you think. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or share with a friend who also loves all things food. The opinions shared in this podcast are of each individual subject and do not represent the views of Loblaw Companies Limited or its affiliates.